and Jill. And you're listening to Bikini Drive-In on CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. Our mission is to analyze horror and science fiction films through an intersectional feminist lens while combining elements of screen and media studies, arts criticism, and women and gender studies. Our knowledge and experience will hopefully provide you with access points to feminist theory, art history, and film critique while using horror and science fiction genres as a site of discourse. Since we will be discussing portrayals of horror and violence, a content warning and listener discretion is advised. Also, spoilers ahead. This week, we are discussing Alexandra Aja's 2003 film, High Tension. Marie and Alex take a weekend trip to Alex's parents' country home to focus on studying for school. Late that night, while Marie is jerking off in bed, she hears a doorbell. Alex's dad answers it, and his face is slashed with a straight razor before being decapitated using some wooden furniture in the hall. Alex's mom is woken up by the noise, finds her dead husband, and screams. This alerts Marie to make a run for it. Marie finds Alex chained up in her bedroom, and she promises to help find help. Marie happens to then witness both the death of Alex's mother as well as Alex's little brother who had made a run for it in the front yard cornfield. Marie sneaks into the kitchen to find a butcher knife. Meanwhile, the killer drags Alex into his truck. Marie hops in the truck and hides with Alex. The killer then locks them in and drives away. They stop at a gas station and the killer appears to murder the attendant with an axe. Uh, Marie steals a nearby car, car chase ensues, wherein the killer pushes Marie off the road. There's a struggle between the killer and Marie, ending in Marie suffocating the killer with a plastic sheet. And uh, she returns to the van, and Alex seems to be very terrified of her. Next, we see police investigating the security tapes which recorded the gas station murder, and it is revealed that Marie is the one who killed the gas station worker. In retrospect, we see how the family was actually murdered and discovered and discover that Marie is murderous, delusional, and in love with Alex. Meanwhile, at the truck, Marie unties Alex, who runs off after a struggle. Marie chases her with a concrete saw, like one of those circular saws, and this chase leads to a near escape. 
uh, the death of a nearby driver via disembowelment and a slashed Achilles heel, which is always so gross. Marie forces Alex to tell her she loves her, and they kiss in a bloody heap on the road. During the kiss, Alex plunges a crowbar into Marie's chest as Marie states that she'll never let anyone come between them. The final scene depicts Marie in a psychiatric hospital with Alex watching through a one-way mirror. Marie grins creepily and rages for Alex, aware that she is behind it. The end. Olivia, what is your history with High Tension? Uh, I first saw High Tension a few years ago and really enjoyed it. I remember thinking, hey, this isn't so bad. (laughs) I'm not stressed out. And then realized that my whole body was tense. Um, It was such a visceral, physical reaction, more so than an emotional one. Um, Rewatching it for the show, however, I kind of felt bored. Um, After learning of the final twist, the first time I watched it, there was just like no suspense. Um, And I usually love rewatching movies over and over again so I could discover new elements and see whatever I've missed. Um, but high tension this time just felt kind of empty. Uh, to me, beyond the initial twist, there's not much left to the story. Yeah. Valid. Mm-hmm. I first saw this film back in high school when my friend and I uh, rented it from Movie Village, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a rude clerk who I know I've like talked about on this podcast <laughs> before who always checked our IDs and they weren't working. Because I remember there was like build up because we'd been turned away trying to rent it before. Uh, so finally, it was ours. And we got way too baked and watched it. And I quickly became like, so terrified and so obsessed like that creepy grin at the end still just haunts me so this film was my first introduction to new french extremity and i'm forever grateful for that Mm. um in learning more about this film and viewing it with more critical brain than my like high 16 year old self had (laughs) i mean it becomes clear that there's like so many potholes and moments that are overdone Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't i'm not sure if it's staying power but for me it, it holds that like nostalgia factor that it's it's just special when movies have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, in researching it too, the script is incredibly similar to Dean Kuntz's 1995 novel Intensity, which Aja, I think that's how you say his name, I don't know, has acknowledged. Um, so it's a bit of like a ripoff, but, but the film itself is like important. Mm-hmm. Uh, New French Extremity. So according to the internet, <laughs> thank you, internet. Yeah, uh, the term New French Extremity was first coined by critic James Quant in Art Forum. He spoke of it as, quote, cinema suddenly determined to break every taboo, to wade in the rivers of viscera and spumes of sperm, to fill each frame with flesh, nubile or gnarled, and subject to all manner of penetration, mutilation, and defilement, unquote. Um, yeah, I love that description. It's, it's so, so gnarly. gnarly. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, and it has its... New French Extremity has its roots in, in art house and horror. The film Mar- Martyrs, which we did an episode on a while back, falls into this genre. Um, films of the New French Extremity, they generally lack uh, humanity, sense of humanity, and are highly visceral and sensory and take a very severe approach to sex violence and psychosis. Um, there's a lot of corporeal angst and prominent themes include home invasion and fear of the other which happens often in horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can lie close to torture porn at times and as we know, some directors within the genre to be total creeps, yeah. it can be difficult to navigate how gender and feminism fits into this really graphic and taboo-ridden genre. Yeah. Uh, so by the end of the film, Marie and Alex's worlds have been altered. Alex in that she has lost her family, and Marie in that she's completely broken with reality. In previous incarnations of the slasher, Marie would have subdued the killer, possibly saved Alex, and been able to revert to her previous feminine heteronormative state. This lack of cohesion to um, previously understood tropes of the genre makes it harder to read. This chaotic nature of the film mixed with the completely illogical ending of the film renders it um, 
is only understandable through complete subjectivity. In order to make sense of the film, we must try to understand Marie's mind because logically the events of the film could not have occurred in the way the audience sees them. So we must understand the madness through um, Marie's mind and seek some sense of sanity through Alex's final girl conclusion. Although through the transference of the role of final girl to Alex, we lack resolve for Marie's character, who manages to survive but has not forgotten Alex. We understand that the nightmare of the film has not ended. While, sh while the monster may continue on in other iterations of the slasher film, it is, rare, um, it is a rare film indeed that shows us that the monster was our guide through the film, uh, cloaked our understanding of the world of the film, and eventually triumphed through survival and rejection of the world order. Uh, if you want to learn more about New French Extremity, I recommend reading Films of the New French, French Extremity, Visceral Horror and National Identity by Ale Alexander West of the Faculty of Horror Podcast. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's a great book. Mm -hmm. um, one of the lines that Alexandra Aja says in High Tension's commentary is that, quote, she's masturbating and the killer arrives. And I think there's an underlying link between both events. Unquote. Mm -hmm. I feel a little uncomfortable with the connection being made between female orgasm mm -hmm. and Marie's murderous rampage. Just like maybe disappointed that the link had mm -hmm. to be a sexualized one yeah. and that it's her desire which leads to killing Alex's family. I also feel that High Tension as a lesbian coming out story told by a male director is, is just kind of tired mm -hmm. and, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there are moments which bring up possible homophobic readings of the film. Uh, in the opening scene of Alex and Marie driving to the home, the farm home, Marie is teasing Alex about boys and calling her a slut. And it's pretty clear that it goes a little bit beyond this friendly mocking. Mm -hmm. um, the family being murdered can be interpreted as a killer lesbian or homosexuality destroying a family dynamic. And it's that like brutal idea that homosexuality and queerness are the mortal enemy, en en enemy yeah. <laughs> of the all-American family structure, the nuclear family, yeah. the American dream. Um, Marie's psychosis is interesting in that it uh, depicts her internalized homophobia as mm -hmm. a vile man jerking off into yeah. the severed head on the side oh, of the road. That scene, that scene is so gnarly. Much. Yeah, Ugh. it's great. Um, but and and could bring up ideas that that desire would be demonic or, or should be feared. Mm -hmm. However, to to bluntly kind of equate homosexuality with psychosis and violence is, is I I don't think the point of the film, and I don't yeah I don't think that's uh, it necessarily needs to be read that way. And I think there's more of a statement on denial and repression. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Aja's binary representation of like Maria's psychosis is is kind of stale. Like we get it. Yeah. It's like bad versus good, man versus woman. Yeah. However, having the man commit the horrors on screen makes a really clear point about where Marie's inner anger and repression comes from, that heteronormative patriarchy doctrines are the, patriarchal doctrines are the catalyst for split selves and for fear and for pain. Uh, also, Marie is arguably the hero of the story. She's the one we root for the whole film, and in the end, she defeats the killer and overcomes her denial and repression and admits her love for Marie, or sorry, for Alex. And, and coming out seemed to, f to free her in a sense. It is also interesting to look at Alex representing heteronormativity mm -hmm. from her nuclear family to telling Marie that she's going to die an old mm -hmm. maid. Like Alex's kidnapping can stand for a rejection of heteronormativity. Normativity. I can't talk today. Mm -hmm. And a championing of female subjectivity. Um, Stacey Ponder discusses all of this on a, a site called After Ellen. I think it's kind of older. Mm -hmm. But Ponder is a co-host of the absolutely delightful podcast, Yellow of Darkness, which we've also mentioned on this yes, show before. Should, everyone should listen to it. It's so great. So good. Uh, I like the idea that the film is about representation, internalized homophobia, but the story or the writing just doesn't go far enough into those themes. And it just feels like the ending is kind of tacked on to the end. Like it's an example of like 
the girl did it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of not, doesn't seem to be written into the rest of the story. Uh, the way that the two women speak to each other read to me more as like a male director right, or writer not knowing <laughs> how women interact with each other more than pettiness or jealousy. Mm. But the, you can see, yeah, that that uh, Marie can be jealous of Alex. But it just, it also just reminded me of um, uh, the friends from Halloween. Mm. How they're all, they're not very nice to each other. They're not very nice to right. Lori. They're just kind of like just bitchy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but maybe that's like an homage or, or something, or it's just a right. trope of like girls being mean to each other. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, this is a lesbian coming out story told by a male director. I would think in, in different hands or with, through different lens, it could be a much more elevated story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I don't think it's inherently homophobic. I just think it's lacking a certain point of view. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think that's valid. Mm-hmm. Every time. It's Gosh, it's creepy. Uh, Marie's dissonance, dissonance with herself and her fractured psyche can be interpreted through Judith or Jack Halberstam's imagined violence, queer violence. Um, imagined violence is defined as the fantasy of unsanctioned eruptions of aggression. Halberstam argues that imagined violence does not advocate lesbian or female aggression, but it might complicate an assumed relationship between women and passivity or feminism and pacifism. When high, while high tension takes this possibility of female violence to an extreme and distorted level, uh, there is a liberation in new sources of pleasure being created for women. The resistance that Marie enacts is a reaction against gender and sexuality-based prejudices. Marie engages um, in imagined violence against a white heteronormative male, literally beating him with a phallic club in an act of challenging heteromasculinity and, and to create terror. Uh, there's also um, the scene where Marie is about to kill Alex with the circular saw, but the... Um, the motion turns into a kiss and this melding of violence and gentleness could be seen as unifying binaries of masculine and feminine and complicating the definitions of monstrousness and gender. Uh, Joshua Cohen, who's the author of Will You Still Love Me in the Morning? Gender Representation and Monstrosity in Alexandra Aja's High Tension, writes that uh, the film poses somewhat of a problem for the critic uh, interested in allocating monstrosity into a neatly defined category such as masculine yeah. or feminine. Rather, high tension requires a spectator whom assumes that gender is a subject that transcends the limitations of binary oppositions. Um, yeah, I found that quote to be quite quite mm-hmm. resonant because yeah, yeah it, it, the film does deal with gender in 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 an interesting mm-hmm. way. Yeah, the fact that 
her repression, her feelings, like that's how it manifests into this like disgusting, misogynist, violent man. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Yep. 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 Um, the final scene of Alex visiting Marie in the psychiatric hospital also does play with that conflation of violence and mm-hmm. affection. Um, as much as is when rewatching, I totally can see how it feels like a bit tacked on or a bit like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, it could seem a bit unnecessary or just for that like final jump scare, which mm-hmm. is so good. It works. Yeah. Jump every I like time. it. Yeah. Um, but Alex is curious about Marie and she peers into the one way mirror and places her hand on the glass. And when Marie, or yeah, when Marie reaches out in a gesture ambiguously fraught with aggression and affection, it mm-hmm. like you recoil. There's so much recoil there. Yeah. There's so much like, well, um, Laura Minor writes about the film stating that high tension offers no concrete resolution as to how we should view the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Instead, it offers multiple readings of gender, sexuality, and violence that typify, 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 typify <laughs> our contemporary heterogeneous culture. Indeed, despite the monstrous actions of Marie, underneath the surface, Alex and the audience know that she cannot be simplistically mm-hmm. defined. Um, and it's why we have returned yeah. to her at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that's so interesting and ambiguity it's, in it all. Yeah, and you could also think of Asami from Audition mm. and May from May, who are female killers and very complicated, but at the same time, like very sympathetic. Yeah, um, and they're the I guess Asami not so much, but May and and Marie are the protagonists of the of these films. Mm-hmm. I always just really like it, especially yeah, Audition and May, how. Um, the physicality changes mm, yeah. and confidence changes when you, when there's a twist, when a twist is revealed or when a decision is made, it's, mm-hmm. it's so interesting. And in this one too, like just, um, yeah, you can really see Marie's sort of disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, and I think, yeah, that speaks to that like liberation of mm-hmm. the violence. Yeah. Like as much as no violence is not the answer when yeah. we're not saying that it is, but there is an, an empowerment because of violence so often not being, um, being uh, women are not being allowed yeah. to express. Yeah, there's a that. catharsis. With yeah, too, yeah, and yeah. Just, just to see someone, yeah, be totally disconnected from reality in this way. And yeah. it's also yeah, within these films, there is that safe space of viewing violence mm-hmm. and not not participating in it, but then getting some sort of enjoyment out of it. Yeah, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing that I do also appreciate about this film is that. Aja has created this homage to 70s and 80s horror. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a slasher film. Yeah. Well, establishing a new genre entirely. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, there were points, again, maybe I just, like, wasn't in the right mindset to watch it. But I just, again, kind of felt, like, a little bored with, like, the mm. typical slasher beats. Mm-hmm. Just because, yeah, because of the ending, I guess. I mean, I like the ending. I just wish it had been, like, woven in more. Yeah. I think I'm just being a downer today. That's okay. You also, again, watching scary movies. And oh, yeah. I finished them. watching it today. Yeah. <laughs> as boring. I experienced with Audition, it yeah. can, like, be a weird thing. Yeah. I like thinking that I can watch scary movies at any time, but it's like, no, I need them at night. Yeah. Only at night. Because otherwise, <laughs> you have a weird you day. start your day with high tension. Yeah. It, it will be weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, the killer's look, he is such a creep. Oh, God. He's disgusting. He's repulsive. Yeah. And apparently, he was roughly influenced by the real-life serial killer, Emile Louis, also known as the Butcher of the Yon. Yon? Yvonne? Yon? 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 Mm. Y-O-N-N-E. <laughs> France, let us know. Yeah. 
<laughs> in 2000, he admitted to the murder of seven girls with disabilities who disappeared in the 70s. Oh, wow. And then he has various other, like, creep. He was accused of lots of rape and assault and yeah. gross guy. But, yeah, he was he's this huge, hulking white man with these, like, small black, like, pig pig eyes. And mm-hmm. it's like, he's so creepy looking. <laughs> he's so creepy. His character is so... Ugh. <laughs> so disgusting I yeah. think that like yeah the opening scene with him and the severed head is, is like more upsetting than any sort of because vi- it is it's violent but it's also like so degrading and sexual mm-hmm. it's like the most violent scene in this movie to me yeah. I think yeah I would have to agree <laughs> following up from our May episode where we discussed how long we would survive in a horror film or where we'd fit with like horror film tropes. Um, I think that we know each other quite well. We just did a lovely little quiz (laughs) and we both got what we said we would. I got first to die, Mm -hmm. which I know (laughs) it's an honor and a sacrifice. And I feel responsible to hold that first death Mm -hmm. and make it grand. Yeah. Yes. It would definitely be the first die. Thank you. And Olivia, what did you get? I got the hero. (laughs) Read the little thing. Congratulations, you're the star of this movie and you live. You've been through hell and back and you managed to pull through, albeit exhausted and covered in blood. The bad news is that you've got at least two more movies to survive before you get a rest. And no one can say for sure if you'll survive a trilogy. Good luck. With a picture of Sidney Prescott from Scream. I got Drew Barrymore. Yeah. From Scream. So perfect. I love that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I'm into it. I agree. (laughs) I'm Sidney. (laughs) I agree. I'm a... Dumb idiot, no, maniac. Dumb idiot. <laughs> no, but King I am. Yeah. I'm a maniac who would definitely be the first to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Definitely. Um, yeah, so we have a couple of things to announce. Um, unfortunately, we have to postpone our live show on July 27th. I had a work thing come up. It's my fault. Gotta pay the bills. Yeah. That's okay. Gotta pay that rent. Um, but yeah, but hopefully we'll be able to have one in August sometime. Mm-hmm. You betcha. Um, yeah, that's, that's our show this week. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening. Um, you can reach us at bikinidrivein at gmail.com or contact us over Facebook, Bikini Drive-In Facebook page. Um, yeah, you can listen to us every Sunday at 4.30 on CQW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
you like movies? Do you like being smart and cool? Listen to Bikini Drive-In with Olivia and Jill every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. on CKUW 95.9 FM. You're tuned into CKUW 95.9 FM. You can find our station in the University of Winnipeg at 515 Portage Avenue. At CKW, you'll hear independent news and views, a large variety of great music, and our spirited volunteer broadcasters all day long. We're always looking for new ideas and opinions and are proud to support local musicians. If you have anything that you'd like to share with us, please give us a call at 786-9782 or email us at ckuw at uwinnipeg.ca. You're listening to CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Our frequency celebrates diversity.